Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. I'm your host, Logan Medish of High Caliber History, and I am joined around the table by a truly colorful cast of characters. Uh, honored to have everybody here. We've got Brett Voorhees from Taurus, and we have Mike Scobie and Donald Trump Jr. from Field Ethos. All three gentlemen, thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedules to be here today. Good to be here, man. Happy to do thank it. You. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So there is obviously a hell of a lot of things that we can cover and we can talk about. About. Um, and we just kind of want to make this a little bit of a, an, an irreverent, fun episode. You know, we want to talk hunting, we want to talk guns. Um, so, wh- who wants to start it off and tell uh, a hell of a good gun hunting story? Gun hunting story? Well, I got a lot. I mean, Brett's got some good ones recently. Yeah, yeah, we uh, had some exciting years that last couple of years. And yeah. you and Scobie's I hunted been, Africa together we what, did, two years ago. Two years ago, and yep. Scobie's been doing this his whole career. So, yep. yeah. yeah. Start off. It's basically all I do at this point, (laughs) (laughs) other than trying to save the free world. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, we can kick it off. So uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about being in the industry so much is being able to travel, and I've just kind of caught the bug to travel internationally for hunting trips. Sure. It kind of started when I was at Walther, spend all day in the factory, and then go hunt uh, roe deer at night, and then stay up until 2 and drink in, and it was just like the best times, you know, when I was kind of a little bit younger. Um, but I got the, I got the bug for Africa in 2018 and then, uh, talked to Scobie quite a bit after that about going back with him. We tried to plan a trip and I think COVID hit That's right. and then, uh, <coughs> was it late 21 that we went or 22? Yeah, that was the trip we took, uh, Cole Hauser, the Yellowstone yeah. Rip Wheeler character. Oh, his okay. First safari as well. And Pat Hemingway yeah. Adams. Pat Hemingway. It was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. We just had Pat on the show. Mm-hmm. Pat's a great guy. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> you had him on for a half an hour. You still think he's a great guy? That's uh, that, well, no, listen, yeah. hey, he was he was a little hungover, so maybe we were you know had a yeah. little more control. I, I'm over shocked. Him, I'm shocked to hear that. that <laughs> <laughs> he can he can present well for yes, about thirty he minutes. Clean he can up, button it down it's, for it's thirty fine. minutes. So yeah. so I mean Africa. That's I mean that's the dream for so many folks, right? And I'm, I'll, I'll be going for the first time in 2025. And, and so you know for for first time Africa guys, like what's what's the best advice you have? Whether it's Gun advice, gear advice, mindset advice. Absolute mindset, I would say. I mindset. Mean, people go there and make a huge mistake, I think. If someone, I need to get this, and I need to get this, and I need to have yeah. a checklist. Just go there and go, I'm going to experience it. I'm going to shoot what happens, you know, shoot whatever animal appears, and it's, you know, something I'm interested in. Because it'll be species you never thought you wanted, right? Like right. People go there, go, I never shoot a zebra. And after you see them, you go, I got to shoot a zebra. Oh, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> don't go with a list. Go there, just open mind and go, let's see what the bush provides today. I mean, right. you just got back from. I did, yeah, I did. I, I, I took my son on his first uh, Africa safari. <laughs> I've been going for. 20 years and th- this was a-, a lot nicer than my first trip which was like literally I was working at a bar in Colorado right out of college and a couple of the other guys that worked there were South African rugby players and they're like oh. you've never hunted Africa I was like no so I'm 20 years old and we literally got on a plane jumped in my uh my buddy's pickup truck bribed our way across the border into Zimbabwe and we literally went to farms and just be like hey if we give you you know 100 bucks a day and you keep whatever meat we don't eat can we do that and we I mean we did like a I think we did like 10,000 miles like off-road through Zimbabwe. Just It was like, it was not your typical uh, safari, but it was like one of the last great adventures. I mean, held yeah. up at gunpoint, like literally bartering for gas and fuel like during some of the crises that were going on there. Uh, it, it, it was just insane. It's something that if my son told me, I'd be like, you dumbass, you could have gotten killed. But like at the time, I was too stupid to know the difference and, and I couldn't have afforded it. You know, I just sort of, you know, for me, being really first generation hunter, like I was sort of learning along the way. And so, you know, we just did it with nothing and it was awesome. 
just took my son for his first safari. He's 14. I always tell him, you know, in my next life, I want to come back as my kid. Uh, he's, he's got it a lot better than, than me with that. But, yeah, we, did, we were up in the Maasai in the Tanzania. Okay. And, and it, it's to that point. It's like there is no checklist. It's like no. go around, see something. If you see something that's an awesome opportunity, put the stock on. Get, get it done. And, you know, uh, we, we had an absolute blast. And he, all, he, he's just like, hey, when are we going back? <laughs> well, but it, when, it, when it, it is different. a job. And, and yeah, I know. <laughs> no, he's like, I want to shoot lesser kudu, too. And like, uh-huh. le, like lesser kudu and kudu are two very different things, right? right? It's sort of like. Price points are very um, different. The price yeah. point is very different. I was like, no, little boy. Like, you can do that when you get a job. <laughs> but, you know, it, for me, it's been awesome just, you know, getting my boys into it. And, you know, my, my daughter shoot. They're not as into the hunting yet. Maybe that'll come. Um, but you know, we, we've just seen the world. I mean, he, he's been my fourteen-year-old's been to Mongolia twice in the steeps, you know, hunting hunting sheep at fourteen thousand feet. Wow. And, like, you know, kids gotten some real adventure, and that's what so much of it. It's just getting out of the our comfort zones, living yeah. in cities or towns or having everything easy. Sure, you know, living a yurt with you know Mongolian, you know, literally goat herders uh, and sheep herders for you know two three weeks. It's like that's a real world experience. Wow! So what what kind of armament you guys taking over there? What do, what were you and your son shooting? Uh, over, over well, uh, so I was shooting in uh, Africa. I had a Blazer R8 set up for like more of a big bore gun, you know, buffalo that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, and then I had a Gunworks 7 PRC for him for all the planes game stuff. Uh, you know, the Mongolia stuff usually same thing. You know, some sort okay. of uh, you know big six five, uh, you know, or three hundred. And really, I think guys think. <clears throat> they need like a 375. Unless you're hunting dangerous game, you, know, no. buffalo, you can go with. You can do everything with a 300 win mag in Africa, all day probably day. including buffalo. I may, yeah. or may, or, to, I right? may or may not have yeah. actual <laughs> real world experience uh, <laughs> with that. But you know, where where legal, uh, but especially you know for for a kid like you know uh, the stu- the stuff is tough there, but it is all of, like everything else. It's all shot placement, right? But right. Africa game is just tougher. Uh, everything in Africa will kill you. It's just, you know, but they, they just evolve. I mean, we talked, you joked about zebra, like that's on everyone's list, but like zebra pound for pound is one of the toughest animals anywhere yeah. in the world by no far. Doubt. Like I, I've just seen so many guys with perfect shot placement, perfect bullets, perfect everything. And, and then know, they you end up chasing it for miles. seven hours. You know, well, that one Pat Hemingway shot with a three seven five twice through the heart, and it still went yeah. quite a ways. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, they're yeah. much tougher than you think. So he, because yeah. he told us his his buffalo hunting story, and it, so from that, it sounds like he had an easier time bringing down the buffalo than he did yeah. bringing well, down the zebra. He, he, was fi- using, he, he fired two rounds at the same time at the buffalo. So. He <laughs> did tell us that, yeah, and then he looked around <laughs> to see if anyone noticed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was my. Song. So it's that was that was just like the second hammer hit. Yeah, it's a double it's my, trigger, it's, right? It's my double rifle. It's a Sabati 500, and, uh, yeah, he double stroke double trigger on it. That's what he did. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. Got, a, got a little excited. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Oh, that's funny. Right. So, you know, Brett, with being with Taurus, and talk us through with some of the guns that, that you guys are excited about there and hunting with some of those pieces because, I mean, you guys have some serious hunting guns mm-hmm. in the lineup that uh, people are, you know, they don't necessarily think Taurus and hunting, mm-hmm. but starting yeah, we're, we're, start, we're starting to grow into right. that. So we, we actually just launched a new bolt-action hunting rifle called the Expedition Rifle. Um, you know, Mike and I and a bunch of guys have kind of worked on that over the last couple of years. Mike's been down to Brazil to kind of see the early stages of that development. Uh, but, you know, we've had hunting big bore hunting revolvers for quite a while now right Um, our raging hunter line is one of our most popular uh lines that we have and you know we expanded that into some really big bore stuff 460 and 500 smith and wesson magnums 
Um, the 460 is fun. I've yeah. shot that gun. That's so, fun. Well, so honestly, to give what Brett has done there is really amazing. I mean, that uh, the, the, the raging you. hunter line, and I do a lot of big boar hunting with handguns because where I came from was, you know, shotgun only zones or all this kind of. It just right. you know they made it impossible up in New York. So I got into sort of you know I have. 338 Lapua improved in an old Remington XP and stuff like that. So I, I, I went down, way down the rabbit hole. But when we started working together, it was like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I got a bunch of freedom arms. My, my Taurus Raging Hunter will, will shoot right in there just you know, with a red dot shooting three inches groups at a, 100 yards or, out of a Taurus. hitting steel at 400 yards. Well, we, yeah, we, 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 you've seen me do that. I think I went. Uh, I can't remember well, if it, it was. It, a, it was five for six. Yeah. Yeah, five right. for six at 400 yards with irons uh, like a coyote you know, on, on a coyote silhouette. Once you figure it out the drop, it, you, it would, but you, you guys have turned around that brand and really yeah, just make really some badass guns that just, you know, for the value and for the money, like there's not much out there that could, that could run with it. Yeah. Well, well, it was you. interesting when I went down to Brazil with you to see the factory. You, know, you don't know what to expect when you go to you know, third world country if it is, sure. and what kind of manufacturing quality you have. And it was, I've been to every gun manufacturing facility and ammo probably in the world. And it rates right up there with the German stuff and the American stuff. Really? I mean, it's all CNC. It's a huge complex. I mean, it was way bigger than I thought it would yeah. be with all state-of-the-art equipment yeah. there. Yeah. Then you're watching guys hand-fit everything and check everything. It's the floors are clean. Yeah, it's yeah. well-lit. It's it's really is a state-of-the-art factory. It's yeah. not what you would expect. Right. But, you know, they've made that investment since about 2015. Yeah. Okay. You know, really out of necessity. But, you know, they, they just decided to change the company. And then when they brought me on board, it was like, okay, let's start telling this message yeah. and well, Brett's also a full, and like, you know, and I'm a way down the rabbit hole gun nerd and stuff like that. And when I talked to him, I was like, oh, wow, he's one of the few CEOs in the industry that actually understands, like, right. guns. Meaning there's business CEOs, but there's guys, like, yeah. he's, like, he's a, a machinist and an engineer. And, a, like, yeah. and he gets that. And so, I mean, I'll tell the story how we started sort of working with Field Ethos, yeah, right? Yeah. If you're okay with that. Yeah, of course. And he's like, hey, we'd love to do something with you. And we're like, uh, Taurus? Like, I, uh, he goes, how about this? We'll send you some stuff. You guys play with it. And in one year, you write a review, and whatever you want to say, it's total game. I'm mean, like, wait a minute. We, yeah, we'll no strings attached. Right. No strings. And so that right. was the test. It's like, we'll, we'll, we'll put our entire, you can shit on us all you want. We lose the year, whatever it is. And, it, like, we literally could not be more impressed. And that's why uh, it, it was so psyched to see, that, like, someone do that. You, you took a brand that was great that sort of went downhill, and, they, like, he's right. brought it back and, he, well, he gets well, that world I, in a way that I, most don't. I, right? I actually use yeah. the guns, too. And if someone can break a gun, it's me. Like, <laughs> I will be the one to do it. Um, okay. I, I fucked up our first our first expedition rifle that came into the U.S. I just abused the hell out of that thing. And really? I still have it, but it's it's pretty broken. But, um, <laughs> but you know, we, we made some changes off of that, though, and learned some things. And so, no, that, that went well. But, you know, like, like I this is kind of the story that um, one of the guys wanted me to tell here. But... Um, I actually use our products and I trust them uh, so much so that I took our 460 Raging Hunter and shot a Cape Buffalo with it. And like wow. not a lot of people are really willing to be that close to Buffalo. In yeah. Um, but the kind of the way the hunt all played out and all that, I ended up being way, way closer than I really wanted to. But the, the gun performed flawlessly and did exactly what it was supposed to do. And it was actually very handy to use, you know, because I ended up, in a very tight spot, very very thick bush at four yards from a four yards from a bull cape buffalo. Holy shit! That we had already bumped twice in the last hour, so wow. he knew we were there, um, and I didn't have to wield around this big heavy rifle. Right. Pulled up my uh, my raging hunter with the red dot on it and four yards. got to blazing, and uh, yeah, the thing dropped and tried to stand up, shot it again, 
and just started tumbling down the hill. And How wow. many shots did you put into him? I ended up shooting all five just because okay. talking to Jason Horney, he's yeah, like, just, just, keep just keep shooting. Then um, <laughs> once you draw blood on a buffalo or any of the dangerous game stuff, like it's not about, well, I did it with one. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. right. It, it, it could down. be very well dead, but it could also very well not yeah. be. Right. You don't want to find out the hard way. You want to live to tell the tale, yeah. right? That's yeah. the end of the – Yeah, and like it was probably a little bit of adrenaline high going too, so I just kept – Kept shooting and all that, and then reloaded, and which wasn't necessary. But um, yeah, I mean that was super exciting hunt. Hell and, yeah! Uh, you know, cool experience. And I got to do it with our guns, and you know, that's so awesome. we don't have a da- dangerous game rifle or anything like that. Right, right and, and most people don't have dangerous game like not just you know not just tourists doesn't but have one but they most should they well should. they absolutely they should. even yeah. if they live in you wisconsin yeah. and never plan to go to africa they should yeah, have. yeah hey my, my wife is from wisconsin i've been back there there are times i wish i had a dangerous game rifle i'm from detroit i <laughs> yeah, wish well, i had a dangerous game rifle you know yeah. so <laughs> but i mean that's that's awesome you know yeah. to take a cape buffalo with a handgun i mean yeah. that's just that's just very really few guys cool. have ever done that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, when we when we started getting the 460s in and in kind of the production phase, I I was talking to Scobie about buffalo hunting and got really interested in. It and I just kind of decided that'd be a cool thing to do. I didn't oh, know it'd yeah. be my first Cape buffalo. Didn't know it'd be at four yards. <laughs> you know, I was prepared to shoot at 30, 40, 50 yards, something like that. Go big or go um, home, right? Yeah, and we, you know, I knew the terrain where we were going to be. It, it was going to be close, but I didn't right. didn't expect four yards for sure. Yeah. So, Mike and Don, you know, you talk about field ethos working with tourists. So, but tell us, you know, what is field ethos for those who don't know? I'll turn that over to you. Well, so it, it's basically a multimedia outdoor company. We have a you know, quarterly print journal, high end, you know, really good photography, really good writing, witty. But it really started off, honestly, it was a couple of buddies uh, in a text thread. Uh, we were talking shit about so much of what goes on in, in hunting, fishing, and honestly, even shooting these days, where it's you know, 9,000 ways to catch spring bass. It's like, I've been reading this article for 45 years. No, right. no one's having the real conversation that, that I have around a campfire that I have had all over the world, you know? Sure. You see some of the guys, we, we saved the hoof of the elk so that we could carve a chess piece out of it. It's like, come on, man. You're, you're allowed to like hunting. You're allowed to talk shit. Like, it, it, it's, and it's sort of interesting. So it's just an unapologetically right. you know, masculine, uh, outdoor, multimedia brand. And what, what's sort of amazing is it's actually taken off incredibly, but like 35% of our following is female because they, too, oh. don't mind actually like masculine men, and that's okay, right. and we can have a guy talk, and it doesn't mean it's this you know, we're not... The women that we have that work with are sort of professionals at what they do in the outdoors, right. not like a gun bunny who's you know got the trigger discipline of a four-year-old with a squirt gun. <laughs> it, it's just you know, so so you can do it differently, and it, it's right. just it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think the other thing that really sets us apart. Everything you said is exactly the right way to describe field ethos. You know, we've also came up with the live an iconic lifestyle. So it's not just yes. a hunt, fish, shoot, mag. It is a adventure. Adventure. We yes. want to inspire people to go do these things on their own and kind of lead by example. And I think the final tier of field ethos that really separates it is the fact that it's really unapologetically honest. So like we talked about with our partners, we have advertising partners and we shit on them occasionally. Yeah, you've had some that got upset. And they get upset. And it's like, look, we love X, Y, Z, all these other products. This one, it's a dud. And we're very honest with our readers about that. And while it's painful at the time, it instills trust in us that we're going to tell you the truth about this. It's not, oh, well, they paid for it, so we got to gloss over it. It's like, no, right. it's, hey, we're yeah. still friends, but you know, this, this one doesn't work so well. Yeah. We, we've had a couple of the big advertisers, like, literally call it back, listen, we love what you're doing. 
uh, we're sending you a letter because the board's upset that you took it too far with this. But like, but we actually, it, it's actually working. We're seeing people calling because of it. it, it you know, and, and so that that honesty is also missing. Sure, you know, we we turn down ad dollars. You know, for me, it, it's my passion project, right? But it's right. never going to be. You know what? What makes me rich? Like, it, like it, I just love doing it. So it doesn't matter. We can, we yeah. can turn down advertisers. Like, well, why would you turn us down? We're willing to stroke a check for. It's like That's because not what I, it's about because I'd never use that shit in the field. Right. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't use it. So I, I'm not going to sell it to other people and pretend like it is. And so, right. uh, you know, perhaps we put our own limitations on it. But again, I think people see that they get it. It's not you know the 90 pages of advertising with one yep. article that's you know recycled Stroking. you know yep. for the last 30 years it's right. uh you know it, it's good stuff quality stuff and e- and even the stuff that's not necessarily a high price point we're running it through we're putting it through the paces it's not just because tourists can write the check it's like well we'll do it but you're going to you know but we're going to give you the honest assessment and right. you know when so guys take the risk on that 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 means something it's and so, so counterintuitive when i took i i used to run legacy media brands peterson's hunting was the editor in chief and guns and ammo was the publisher for the whole shooting group and i joke and not really joking that I would sell PETA an ad campaign if they wanted to. I mean, I would right. sell to anybody at any time. I like money. <laughs> and, you know, I come in and I'm like, hey, this company wants to give us money. And he's like, do you use that product? I'm like, no. He's like, we don't want to talk about it then. I'm like, right. good point. Yeah, but I, I did not start my career that way. Yeah, no. And it, by the way, no, and, and no one does, but that's the problem, right? It's, right. It, everything's been so corporate. Well, it's, it's revenue. It's, it's like, I, I get it. That's great. But, like, I think we can do so much more actually having a genuine, like, loyal following. Right. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it, by the way, honestly, it, 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 it's sort of like what I deal with in politics. They're like, well, you know what people appreciate? Authenticity. Absolutely. You know, and, and everything's been so force-fed and everything's so recycled. And, you know, name, you know, name the last NRA ad you saw. Like, you, you, you don't remember it because you've been looking at the same thing for mm-hmm. 40 years. There's no creativity, uh, you know, in, in the space. And so we're just trying to do something, you know, totally different. And I... Like I said, I, I think it's taken off. The amount of people that are, hey, man, I love what you're doing. with it, It's like, really? Wow, you're, just, you're seeing that. And, right. you know, we're, we're so new on a, on a relative basis, but it's it's good. Yeah, and, you know, and you said, you know, as an, you know, doing honest gun reviews, you're not going to get rich with it. You know, that's I, I've, I've been writing in the gun space for nine years, and you're right. You're never going to get rich doing it. That's why I'm hosting a podcast, right? Because yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm not this is where the big, this is where the big money. Yeah. Is. Yeah. If it is, I haven't found it yet. I love my yeah. gun broker and go wild guys, but yeah. uh, but you know, but yeah, you're right. So much of it, you know. When's the last time you read a bad gun review in in a mainstream gun magazine? Right, you don't see it. Ever. And actually, actually, I just read an article the other day from uh, from a guy, and you know, I'll leave him and the publication nameless. But he was trying to justify away why you'll never see his name on a bad byline, you know, on a bad review because we don't waste our time with that stuff I'm like which is equally a disservice you know it's one thing sitting around friends going you try this new thing oh yeah it sucks don't get it you know versus the worst a gun magazine generally will do is that we just don't write about it well that doesn't do your friend a service right your readership a service exactly the truth does exactly exactly so, you know, and, and talk about with field ethos about it being adventure, living an adventurous life and things like that you guys are, are you, you really take that to heart and you mean it because field ethos also has the field ethos outrider. Yeah. Right. And that's and that is all about tailored experiences and hunts. And so talk to us a, a little bit about the outrider side of things. I think that really stemmed just organically. It was not it's not ever going to be a major part of our financial business, but since we have such a following that call us and say, hey, you know, get DMs or emails that, you know, I'm planning my first African trip. You guys have been to a bunch of places there. Who should I? So we were recommending different lodges that we like, that are honest, that are good. And I'm like, 
we should have a guy doing this. So we took one of Don's oldest friends in the industry. Yeah, literally, like by, when, I, when I got out of college and started hunting, it was, uh, uh, it was actually a hunting guy that we just became buddies, uh, you know, in our early 20s. I mean, we have pictures where we're big, fat, like, <laughs> we've all we've both trimmed out since then. And uh, he was uh, he was a hunting guide, and he was a gregarious guy. He's just working hard. He started running lodges and for people and, you know, took over a bunch of lodges in Argentina, like, you know, high-end sort of wing-shooting places. Okay. And, like, it's someone I've known for 25 years. I was like, if we're going to do this, like, that's the guy because he understands quality. He understands the experience. And, yep. you know, a, a, we, again, about authenticity. It's not just, well, find the biggest guy that does that, and, like, we'll slap a sticker on it that says it's field ethos approved and, right. and rake in some revenue. It was like, no, 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 if we're going to do this, if we're going to recommend it, we're not going to recommend everyone to everything. We're, trips we've been on, people we've actually hunted with, guys sure. that we know who've actually been on that camp, not just someone who can stroke the check for, you know, and dollars. And so the Outrider program, just for the people who, you know, are trying to get into, you know, what, what is that Africa hunt? What's the first Africa hunt? Mm-hmm. What's the 15th? You know, right. what, what's the, hey, I got to complete my big five. Like, yeah. those are the guys, and it just depends on where you are. So, we, you know, we're tailoring those experiences, those adventures, uh, doing it. We're doing a lot more now. Also with fishing, with Field Ethos Waterman. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's some great content because it's not just fishing. It's, you know, surfing and diving. I'm, I'm a free diver in a lot of, you know, spearfishing. And just, it, it's really cool. And what's, what's great about, like, stuff, even like the spearfishing, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, everyone can go, you know, Pay a lot of money to go shoot a 400-inch whitetail, you know, in, inside a pen and everything like that. Right. Not everyone can go shoot bluefin tuna underwater because even if you're in the area, like, you need a level of expertise. So it's almost, it's a lot more self-regulating, frankly, than hunting sure. because, you know, every influencer can't just go do it. Right. You know, even if you're there, even if you have all the gear, even if you have the boats, even if you have the this, like, yeah. Okay, hold your breath and dive to 100 feet. Stay there for <laughs> a minute or so and then make something happen. And so it... Right. Uh, it, it Again, a- what's authentic. Your, what's your static breath hold? Uh, Four fifteen. Yeah, mine's about thirty-seven seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you what mine is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I was in Hawaii with Dubin. Yep. And I'm in the pool with him, just sitting around, and I would go underwater and hold my breath and I'd come up, look at my watch, like, <sighs> trying to get better at it. Yeah. He goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, I'm just trying to see what my breath hold is." He goes, "You know, you don't have to go underwater for that." You know, <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, "Fucking yeah. idiot." <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, so you, you know we. Everyone around the table has shot a wide variety of firearms, and there's there's stuff that everybody likes, there's stuff that everybody hates. But if you know, if if you could own one gun for the rest of your life, I see Don going, oh man, that's you know, that's like question. that's like asking someone like you know, do you, you, who's I, your favorite kid? Yeah. You're like no one will say. Oh, I, I can tell you, I won't admit it. Kid, you know, my daughter, daughter definitely. Yeah, agree. One gun. That's a tough one, right? Listen, I, you know, for you can't me, do it. it's impossible. You, you can't. It, it, but like, I could probably get down to about a hundred. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe fifty. But after that, you're going to be. We're, well, we're, okay. we're, we're, you're okay. talking cold, dead hands. Okay, maybe so let's change it and then and say, what? What was the first gun you guys shot? What? What gun did you learn how to shoot on? Well, I, I learned how to shoot on like a little, you know, pump crossman. Uh, you know, air gun, and then I, you know, got into you know, twenty two and small bore and that kind of stuff. The first gun I ever owned was a Remington eleven hundred. Okay. Uh, you know, shotgun. Uh, I went to, you know, when I was in boarding school, went young, and they out in central Pennsylvania, they'd skeet and trap right off campus. They had a rifle range literally on campus. It was a big oh, wow. feeder school to the academies and stuff like that. So, uh, you just started doing a lot of that, and you know, now you know, my, my my sort of, if you take out the hunting side of it, my passion sort of like just long range precision. I was okay. I was shooting, you know, long range. 25 years ago, you know, about 15, 20 years before it was all the rage and, and cool, back when right. we were, you know, shimming bases because scopes didn't have, like... Di- it like, wasn't there. No, it did, did, did not exist, right? So, uh, you know, that's sort of my passion. So anything... 
super accurate. I think a better question might be, well, not better, maybe easier to answer question is, if you, what is a dream holy grail gun for you? Ooh, that that's you, a good that one. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that's own. different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then we talk about like what we what we saw you know last week at DSC, where it's like you know. Right. Is uh, it a Hall and you know, Royal? Yeah. Saluz, you know, gun. double yeah. rifle, elephant gun. It's like, you know, if, if I had a, a gun from history, you know. Jim Corbett. Rose, Roosevelt's yeah. lever action from Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of those, like, if, if there was a. Uh, you Take know, out a, the historic component. If you were just going to say I, a dream gun that you could go buy. A dream gun that I could go buy? Yeah. Money wasn't an option. I, I, it'd have to be some sort. And, and I don't even. Honestly, I don't even really like hunting with double rifles, but it'd have to be a double rifle. Yeah. Agreed. Meaning I, I, I would so, rather so carry cool. a bolt gun and that's light and, I, yeah, I could shoot it faster. It's, it, it, you know, so, but, yeah, it would. Yeah, probably a Holland Royal Deluxe. Probably something like that, yeah. It's fully engraved. You know, 500 nitro, yep, 470, 470 nitro. 500, yeah. yeah. Brett, what about you? Oh, probably Taurus GX4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, <laughs> no, I, I agree with Spoken the Spoken du- like the true marketing yeah, yeah. guy. The generational <laughs> gun. T- <laughs> no, I, I agree with the double rifle. That's kind of always the aspirational, yep. like, cool factor and all of that. Um, like, to answer your question about if you could only have one gun mm-hmm. and it was like a... Yeah, Taurus, I, I Taurus GX4. Yeah, Taurus say. GX4 again. Um, no, probably like a 4570 lever gun would be okay. my choice for that. Just really? Be you, your one gun? Yeah, just because like, you can you could do whatever you do. Can, a lot like, with you, it. Can, yeah. you, can, you can defend yourself with it. You can kill stuff with it. You can I've got a Wild West Guns co-pilot takedown. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a great gun. I have one, one of those, too. Favorite. It's a great gun. And, you know, and it's funny. Like I, I have this thing for takedown. So I, you okay. know, I have an old Wesley takedown that's a badass yeah. built on an old Mauser action and stuff like that. So, you know, you never actually take them down, <laughs> but, no, but just, but just knowing that you could, could you know, <laughs> makes makes everything so much cooler. So exactly absolutely, right. yeah. well, watch this and take yeah. it apart. And, and with you guys sitting around the table, not that not that anyone listening gives a shit what my grail gun would be, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I'm the host of the show. Having having held Teddy Roosevelt's Holland and Holland mm. double rifle that he took to Africa in yep. 1909, yep. after holding that gun in my hands, I'm like. That, I, that's it. That, yep. That's it. Like, I want a new one of those. Make me one of those. Oh, that's cool. yep. You know, like that, that, that is just, there's just something about a double rifle. You know, yeah. as you guys have said, they're just magical guns. Yeah. And I've they just. told this story before, but I, uh, I did obtain a grail gun for me a few years ago, which, have you ever read uh, The Last Ivory Hunter by Capstick? Yes. Yeah. Oh, as Wally Johnson's rifle. Yep. And he finally escaped Mozambique and got to California in the probably 70s, mid 80s, mid 70s. He got one rifle, which is the gun he had his whole life. It was 1938, Model 70, 375, and he shot thousands of elephants with that. And his boy, Walter, was a professional hunter in Botswana, and he shot thousands of elephants and buffalo and everything else. And uh, I met him at SHOT Show, I want to say, a number of years ago. I was a huge fan. You know, I read this since I was 13 years old. We kind of stayed in touch. Nobody in his family was a hunter, gun owner, and that. So I ended, I ended up purchasing that rifle from him, and it's oh, been wow. shot out. I mean, you look down the barrel. There's no bluing on it anywhere. The rear sight's been missing and, like, bronzed on. Like, yeah, it doesn't V-notch. matter. It, yeah. no, the wood is all messed up. There's no checkering left on it. Shockingly, it still shoots like minute of angle groups. Yeah. Uh, and my plan is to take it back to Mozambique and shoot an elephant with it back in his old stomping ground. That yeah, is I so cool. Wrote it up in the contract that if any kid, you know, shirt tail relative comes out of the woodwork and wants that, they can have it back at the same price. I mean, I'm just kind of a caretaker of it until yeah. somebody else wants it. And that's how it is. You know, we we don't truly own any of it. We mm-hmm. are yeah. just caretakers of all of it. You know, my background's in museums. I worked at the NRA museums. You know, you mentioned Peterson. You know, I worked yep. with Bob Peterson's collection. And amazing collection. Amazing, amazing yeah. collection. Yeah. You know, and, and we are but caretakers for a very short period of time and fortunate enough to handle some amazing stuff. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Who's the main curator at NRA? Well, a lot of them have retired. Several uh, years ago. Phil? 
No, Phil Schreier, Phil Doug Wicklin, Jim Spica. Yeah. So he, you know, I started my career in the editing business working for Peterson's Publishing. And Phil Schreier told me a story about when he went out and, you know, he willed that, most of that collection to the NRA. Yep. And so Phil went out and the wife was still alive and went through the vault room and curated everything and, and packed it up to go to the NRA. And he goes, when I was done, it was kind of going through a hotel room, like you just kind of look under things, make sure you didn't leave anything there. And he goes, I kicked something that was like in like a newspaper th- roll, kind of crumpled up newspaper at the bottom of this drawer. I kind of kicked it with my foot. Like, what is that? Picks it up. It's a gold nugget. Like this big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it turns out it's the world's third largest gold nugget ever found. And he brings it upstairs to Marjorie. Margie. Margie. Yeah. He's like, hey, I found this in the vault room. She goes, we were wondering what happened to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she said, I think it was like, we've been looking for that for like five years. Yeah. I'm like, man, if I lose $5 in the washing machine, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for it. I'm not waiting five years to try to find it. Another one that they found stuffed in a, in, in a sock back in a drawer was a Colt Baby Patterson, you know, wow. six figure historic revolver just stuffed in a sock in a, in a drawer like you know but bob's collection was so impressive i mean he's got the only three parker invincible shotguns ever made you know like a patterson's not really registering for him you know right right. he had an amazing collection and uh even his car collection oh this day the peterson car collection in la you know yep it is unrivaled you know Well, gentlemen, we really appreciate you spending some time and, and talking with us. I, I know your time is very valuable, so we, we appreciate you spending some of it with us and, and sharing some stories. And it's it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you guys here. So thank you so much for coming on the Nolo Ballers podcast. Likewise. Thank yeah, you. thank you for fun. having us. Very fun. Don't forget to check out Field Ethos. Yes, I got to sell. I mean, Absol- yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Check out Field Ethos. You know, Make sure you're booking trips with Field Ethos Outrider. Make sure you're buying Taurus Raging Hunter revolvers and taking them to Africa and shooting buffaloes in the face, right? Yes. yes. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for us on this episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in and joining us. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite platform. Uh, give us some likes. Leave us some comments. We do read and respond to the comments. We appreciate all the feedback. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed consuming this episode as much as we enjoyed making it because without you, there is no us. So that's it for us today, and we will see you right here again on the next episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. <laughs>